There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I am your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put to use. And if I can do anything to help you in your personal or professional journey, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's open a dialogue and explore what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind communities to nurture your own purpose or bring it out into the world. You want to look into the Purpose Driven Leadership Program for yourself or your team, which are offered on-site or via webcast. You're interested in the Women on Purpose Thought Leadership Summit in Portland, Oregon in September of 2019, or you'd like me to speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now, on to this week's program. Hang on to your hat. This is going to be an amazing adventure. Today with us today with us is Sophie McLean, who has a commitment to participate in the creation of a new culture within humankind and does so with an irresistible passion. From speaking engagements to leading one-on-one programs where she deconstructs the ego to leading online seminars and encouraging people to think consciously, her raison d'etre is to liberate people from the constraints and the illusion of the ego. She's publishing in May her first book, The Elegance of Simplicity. She joins us today from France. Sophie, welcome to Working on Purpose. Hello. Hello, Alice. Hello. It is so wonderful to have you, and I just so appreciate getting to reach across the globe to have you and share you with my listeners who are also across the globe. Um, I want to help our listeners understand that a big reason I was so thrilled to have you come on the show is that you, your experience and, and your the depth of the voracious hunger of, of the human spirit to, to find meaning in life is what you really show for me. I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever come across anybody, Sophie, who has gone to the depths to look for meaning like you have and has had the adventures that you have along the way. So I want to share that with our listeners. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, um, I, I think it would be great. I wanted to start, if I could, um, by, there's a, do you have the, your book in front of you? I wanted to see if we could read from page uh, page three that initial prayer. Do you have it in front of you? I do not. I do not. Okay, you well, I do. Just get just it quick. Oh, you do. I, go ahead. I will get it yeah. just a moment. I want to read it for us. I think it is just perfectly encapsulates what you're up to. So here's what it says, listeners. I wish to make a deal with you. I'll tell you all. I'll bear it all. I will be the provocateur. I'll take you out of your comfort zone. I'll guide you beyond the limits of your thinking. I will even give you answers you understand. In return, I ask only one thing. Throw off the unbearable weight of the habitual for the pursuit of the extraordinary for the sake of humankind. Ah, Sophie, that is such a great poem to start off with. It's so you and what you're up to. (laughs) Could you comment a little little bit on that? 
I I have been through despair, joy, happiness, sadness, and um, I think what uh, uh, is important is never to give up. And I have this total conviction that it is possible to create a, a, a space for all of us on the planet where things work, where it really works for everybody. So I never stop. I, I, I educate people. I do whatever I can so that people have the, the access to actually create this and enjoy the magnificence of life. That is what feeds me and drives me and what I breathe every day. It's mm-hmm. Always there, and and you've take to get to that place in life, Sophie. What you have gone through in your life so far is extraordinary, and you've really been on a quest to escape, as you say, the agreeable routine to find meaning in life and and move from dis- despair to joy, from fear to love, as you've been saying. Um, and you're somebody, Sophie, who's experienced rape and inability to have children and widowhood, just to start, just with some of those things. Mm-hmm. So. One of the events that really kicked you into despair was losing your beloved husband on your honeymoon when you were just 28 years old. Can you say a little bit about that for us? What was that like? Well, it was a last straw. As you said, I had a a difficult uh, uh, years, a few years before that, about 10 or 15 years that were difficult. And then the last straw was the death of my husband on honeymoon. And... um, and there, there I can say that I really hit despair. It's, uh, you know, this space where suddenly you have nothing to look ahead. It, it's, like, it's like dark. It's, there is nothing. Nothing you ever think will ever, ever bring you joy ever again. And, and you have to cope with that, and that's how it was. And, and to, you know, it was bad enough to lose him, and, but on top of that, I made myself suffer even more by uh, deciding that I was obviously somebody that was doomed somehow <laughs> because I never heard of anybody having so many tragedies in so, such sort of time. So mm. that's how it was, just dark, dark despair. Mm. You know, I so appreciate you bringing us into that space, Sophie. I was sitting and thinking as you were as you were talking. I I don't know that I have experienced that kind of despair in my life. I, I and and so for you to come back from that depth to where you are today is to me a testament of the human spirit. Yeah, it's really the resilience, isn't it? I don't know. You know, Alice, I really don't know what drove me, but all I knew is that I couldn't commit suicide because I wasn't willing to put that weight on the people I loved around me and my family. There was absolutely, that was not an option for me. And I had this kind of black beast eating my inside, you know, that's what despair felt like for me. So I just took one step after the next, just breathing. And I had a lot of support from my family. My father called me every day, asking me if I was awake and had gotten out of bed. And every day I said, yes. And every day he said, okay, I'm proud of you. Mm. You know, this kind of support is invaluable. 
Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I It's not at all on the same level, but when I got divorced in 2016, my dear beloved boss, who was a friend, who became a friend of mine years and years and years ago, called me every single weekend to make sure I was okay, and it was priceless for me. Yeah, yeah it was. And you know, Alice, there is something when you say I didn't know what you knew, but there is one thing I learned is if you haven't lost somebody you love but you have gotten divorced the pain you will experience for your divorce is at the same level it's at it's the same depth than the one i experienced losing my husband for you Mm. you see Mm. you you can't compare loss and tragedy and dramas saying oh yours is bigger than mine because you experience a hundred percent what is happening to you do you see what i mean I do. Yes, I do. And and I, I, I have a sense that the way that you've gone about your life, the things that have happened to you in, in, in your life and the way that you have chosen to respond and react to them and learn from them, and then the quest of meaning that you've been on and all the adventures, though, seems to me have really created something in you. You, you are a, an incredible force, Sophie, and it's just, it's incredible to behold and be around. And anyway, I just, I, I revere that and I respect it. And I, and I, and I know that listeners are going to want to hear just some of the things that you went, that you did in that thirst for, for, for meaning. So I wanted to share a few of them. If, if can we, can we, can we jump into a couple? Of course, of course. Okay. okay. Well, one of the things that you did, so your husband passed in 1988, and I, he must have had some kind of a, a I guess, Kennington Flying School, an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and after he passed, you managed that that um, business, and then you went, you, you, you managed the sales process. This is, you're, you're 28 years old, is, I think. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about what that was like, you know, having that thrown into your lap. Well, the thing is that I wanted to honor him and he he had used me as a sounding board for his business. And so I knew what he wanted to do. I never worked in a business before, but I knew what he wanted to do because he shared a lot with me, right? And when he died, I found myself with four stepchildren responsible for the his legacy. So I, uh, I you know, I just put one foot in front of the other again the whole team that was around me the directors of the Kidlington airport were extraordinary and um, I dealt with lawyers and bankers that was extremely extremely uh, frightening for me I was uh, quite a shy kind of person and I didn't have much confidence but I did it because it wasn't for me it was for the children you see, that's what mm-hmm. I think gives a lot of strength is mm-hmm. when your my attention wasn't on me. So that's what kept me going. I completely understand that, Sophie, right? When we're focused in service of others and not on ourselves, we can summon much more courage and strength. I, I, I really yes. do understand that, yes. And you talk about that in your book, by the way. As I, mm-hmm. I, I, heard, I read that and I saw how beautifully you bring that to light. And if I may also um, say, I just so appreciate we're having this conversation in, in English. You speak English extremely well. Obviously, your first language is French mm-hmm. and your accent is stunning. So I just want <laughs> to say thank you for joining this conversation in yet another one of the languages that you speak. <laughs> Thank you, Ellie. You're welcome. 
Um, all right. So now I want to get into some of these amazing adventures that I, I, when I when I read your, through your, your your book, Sophie, it's really it's the series of events and adventures that most of us would only know by watching like a Hollywood movie or reading the novels. And this was your life. This it sounds like a fantasy land, but um, this is the real deal for for you. And so one of the things that that you talk about in your book and your experiences is that you you got trained to fly helicopters and got a license, and that would have been also about when you were 28, 29, yes? That's right, that's right. <laughs> and that's why, that was because I, you know, it sounds so great, right? But in fact, I was feeling dead, you know, like uh, uh, no, no, nothing to look forward to. So I think flying helicopters for me was, okay, I'm going to scare myself into feeling alive. And uh, there was this um, ex-Navy pilot, it was in Oxford in England, and they took me on. They, they were very sweet, and we did all sorts of crazy things and, and with a helicopter, like chasing sheep and landing on roofs, and, <laughs> and, and it, it, it made me feel alive. I needed a challenge, yeah. Well, I got to believe that's a challenge, chasing sheep and landing on. That's just so great, Sophie. I got, I've got the whole picture of you running after. Which one? Which sheep should I go after? Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, well, and then, too, you talk about, and this is just hard for a lot of us to fathom. I just, listeners, imagine this. And so at one point, Sophie, you decided to escape, escape what you call the agreeable routine. And I really understand what you mean by that, by the way, because I felt in the grasp and the throes of that, too, um, when I was in the comfort of, you know, when, when I was married, et cetera, et cetera. And that had nothing to do with my ex-husband, but that's just where I was. But the, that agreeable routine, I know exactly what you mean. And what you did was you sold your apartment, you gave away your furniture, you gave away your designer clothes, and you went to discover the world, and all with just a backpack and a passport. So would you share a little something about that that part of your life? Yeah, yeah. It was like an existential moment. It was about um, four years after my husband died, and I... I was looking by then fine. You know, if you had seen me and people saw me and I had put on a bit of weight back and I was, I looked like if I was functioning, but I was still dead inside. And I had an existential moment in front of a mirror. I can still remember it where I looked at myself and I said, okay, you have to do something. You can't be a vegetable for the rest of your life. And I was very, very scared that the people I loved will die. You know, you get a bit traumatized and you think everybody you love is going to die. So I uh, thought that going backpacking to faraway countries uh, would um, oblige me not to call them every hour to see if they were still breathing. (laughs) You see, so I kind of cornered myself into, okay, move, just move and, and go and take risk. And that's that that you do something. So that's what I did. And I started with uh, going down the Grand Canyon for 15 days, which was quite fun. Then I moved on to Tahiti and there I met some people on a sailboat and they said they needed uh, uh, someone to help them bring a boat from New Zealand to the Caribbean. So I said, oh, great, I'm coming. And they said, do you know how to sail? I said, no, no, but I know how to navigate, which wasn't quite true because I always got lost <laughs> as a pilot. But, um, <laughs> you know, there I met them in New Zealand and started crossing the South Pacific, which was quite an adventure by itself. We got shipwrecked on Easter Island and it was fun. 
I mean, but, it wasn't fun to be shipwrecked, but it turned out to be good. And isn't it, wasn't it on Easter Island where you met the film crew? Is that right? That's right. Five days after we made it to Easter Island, we, we just broke everything on the boat, but we made it. And then, uh, you know, on Easter Island, there is a runway where the space shuttle land if it cannot land on Kennedy. So there is this enormous runway. And then five days later, this big plane lands and 200 hanky Americans and Australians come out and they were making a movie. So I just got a job with them because I got stranded on the island for six months. So I learned about the film industry. It was fun. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to talk a little bit more about that. But let's grab our first break. I'm Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Sophie McLean, who has an irresistible passion and commitment to participate in the creation of a new culture within humankind and does so with an irresistible passion, as we say. We've been talking a little bit about some of her early lives and some of the depths of despair and how she worked her way out of that. Stay with us. We'll be right back for more. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Sophie McLean, who has a commitment to participate in the creation of a new culture within humankind and does so with an irresistible passion. From speaking engagements to leading one-on-one programs where she deconstructs the ego to leading online seminars encouraging people to think consciously, her raison d'être is to liberate people from the constraints and in the illusion of the ego. She's publishing in May her first book, The Elegance of Simplicity. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Okay, so Sophie, a couple things before I have you go back and talk about your, your filming and Easter Island experience. When I go out and speak to, to audiences, a lot of times I'll open with uh, and ask the audiences to consider, what will you do with your one precious life? And when you think about this, the, the sum contents of what's in that life, however long or short it may be, I think a lot of people would scratch their head and go, I don't, I don't know that I really did everything I wanted to do in my life. And so when I read your book and in speaking with you, you have lived what I consider to be a pretty extraordinary adventurous life and you've really worked at it and so here you are shipwrecked in Easter Island you've run into this film crew and somehow I don't know how you managed it you managed to get a job on the on with the film crew and you worked there so what was that like you made a movie or what we were in the movie what was what was happening for you what was your role I was the assistant to the behind the scene director so okay. they were making a documentary about the making of the movie and I became his assistant. And, uh, you know, film crew is really fun because it's like a microcosm of the world. So you have everything that you can find in the world, but on a very small scale. 
So uh, all the interaction between human beings and the work and the play and going out at night and sometimes being bored because you have to wait hours for the light and stuff like that. Uh, I learned a lot about this uh, industry. And also for me, I was young. I had just sailed across the South Pacific and I was starting to, to feel alive again mm-hmm. so I, I used to you know we used to party at night in an old hangar because there is not much on Easter Island and, and I could dance again which I thought I was never able to do again so it was being free cut off from everything no phone no email nothing and it was a breath of fresh air Mm-hmm. I literally, when you described this experience, Sophie, I, I feel like I'm watching you being resuscitated back to life. Mm-hmm. That's what it seems like you're saying as you as you narrate your experience. It is. And you know what's marvelous? It's the moment I surrendered. I stopped fighting the despair. I stopped fighting, wanting to, 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 to do something. I just packed a backpack and let life take me where it wanted to take me. And that's where I started to heal. Mm. That's extraordinary. And, and, and somewhere in there, I, I want to know, how did you end up working as an interior designer with a portfolio of private clients? You you have it as diverse as the Sultan of Brunei, the royal family of Abu Dhabi. How did that happen? That was before I left, you see. Oh, okay. But after I saw the airport, then I went back to study. I got a diploma of interior designer. I got to work. And that's where I looked normal. But I was still dead inside. So I, I knew I had to do something drastic. Okay. Now, I think this is where it gets kind of interesting. So somewhere you found your way into a personal transformation seminar, at the, somewhere in this despair piece. And I'm not exactly sure on the timing. We'll get to that. But first, I want to know, uh, yeah, how old were you? Where, where, where was it in the story? And what was it about that experience of the seminar that so seized you, so started you down the path of wanting to help other people eradicate suffering? So, well, after Easter Island, I I had met this man on Easter Island, and I had a, an adventure with him, and he lived in Los Angeles, and I moved on to Los Angeles. I just followed the, the, the way life was taking me, and in Los Angeles, I met a very old friend of mine that had just done this transformational seminar and she said to me she wanted to me to do it. And I got a bit nervous, you know. Uh, in France, I think we're less open-minded than in the States. And I thought, oh, good God, she must be in a dangerous place. So I went to rescue her. Frankly, that's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. But on day three, I remember I stood on my chair and, you know, like those pictures of people that raise their arm to thank the sky for with gratefulness, this is how I felt because what I got in that seminar was that I could be with the pain of losing my husband. Uh, you can actually stand the pain. What was unsufferable was the suffering that I had brought on myself by deciding that I was doomed and that was my making. I couldn't do anything about my husband's death, but I could do something about that story I made up that I was born with a bad luck star hovering over my head. And that was enough to free me to be able to accept the pain, let go of the suffering and have a new future in front of me. And, you know, the moment I got that, but the moment I said, OK, this is too good. I've got to give it away. There was um, not even a thought. I, I 
I, it was just too good to keep for myself. There is no way I'm going to keep that for myself. <laughs> so I trained myself for four years to lead the seminars and moved to the state and led for 15 years. So a couple of things, if we can go back to that, Sophie, it's so powerful, that incredible transformation that you experienced. And can you, I, I, you said it, but I, I guess I want a little bit more depth there just to really understand the profundity of just what you experienced. So to walk into the seminar still in a place where you, you, were, you felt like you were doomed in life to mm-hmm. being free of that, I, I, it's got to be literally not just night and day, it's got to be life and death it is it is exactly that i was i was um one moment i was in a very dark place where there was no future and the next moment there was light i had a light future it's uh it's what's called transformation right you move from one space to the next and it's so simple i saw the simplicity of it, it that was it is exquisite and also the fact that i had made that decision the fact that my husband was dead did not mean that i was doomed didn't mean that i had bad luck didn't mean i did something wrong didn't mean he didn't love me it just mean he was dead Everything else was a story I made up. And at that moment, I got responsible for my entire life. I knew then that I was a creator of my experience in life, whatever circumstances. And I moved from the realm of victim to the realm of being responsible. Mm, that's incredibly empowering. That's, I, I do stand very much in the space of inspiration and empowerment. And I, I, I've got my arms wrapped Right around that one, Sophie. So thank you for mm-hmm. giving us access to really what it was for you because I wanted our listeners to be able to stand in that space with you and glimpse that, at least for themselves, as they're, whatever they're wrestling with in life right now. I wanted them to be able to glimpse that, and you did that beautifully. Thank you. So I, I also want a presence for our listeners and help them understand just what you did. So, you know, it sounds to me like you're one of those kind of people who once you decide something, there's no middle ground for you. You're either in or you are out, right? It seems like that's who yeah. you are. Okay. <laughs> I'm all in like or I'm do, all out. Yeah. I like to do things well. Yes, I do. And yes. also you must remember, I have no children, no husband by then, right? So it's, uh, I'm a, you know, some other people have more responsibility. I could do that. I could dive in. Okay, that that does help. Thank you, Sophie. So, so one of the things you talk about in in your book is you you've conducted seminars ranging from two hundred to two thousand participants, which is okay. That's already amazing, and you've trained over seventy thousand people. Amazing impact in life. Um, you when you were when you were working for that organization, you were responsible for the recruitment and training of international leaders, and you were the spokesperson for the company for that you worked. Um, and you know, and you and you've done work and led led. Um, seminars in 60 different countries. That is phenomenal, Sophie. 48, 48. 48, okay, yeah. 48. Mm. Um, yeah. So so what I know too, because I, I work in the space of transformation too, and it may, maybe in a different way, but I also know that working in that space does something to us. And so can you help us understand what did those years, those I think it was 12 years in that personal transformation space do for you? In, in providing it for others. So I I got so when I started training and leading, right? So then I had a new meaning for my life, right? So my life was about then giving 
freedom to other people, liberation from their suffering. So I now had a purpose. So that's what the first thing is that I could get up in the morning excited. I never, I didn't ask myself anymore, good God, do I have to wait 50 years before I die? You know, <laughs> it's just every morning I got up, I had something meaningful to do for myself. And then this to be, you know, I used to be, before I did this seminar, I thought whoever designed human being got it wrong. <laughs> because we 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 hurt each other, we lie to each other, we bad with each other, we don't know how to communicate, even the people we love, we hurt their feelings. I mean, I really was convinced that really the design of human being was flawed. And after talking to 70,000 people and training them and spending all the time with them, I, I, but really got the experience at the deepest place in myself that human beings are magnificent. It's just that there is this thing that we call the ego <laughs> that if it's not distinguished is a problem. But I think the very, very nature of human being is exquisite. There is no bad people. There is only people that do bad things. So from one moment I thought human beings are flawed, the next moment I saw them as magnificent and doing sometimes stupid and bad things, you can imagine my experience of being alive just totally transformed. I wasn't scared anymore. I could relate to people. I had access to an enormous amount of love and compassion. Wow. That is, I can't talk about a wholly different lens on the world, uh, Sophie. That mm. is, that's extraordinary. Uh, I don't know that I understood that you had that view of humanity before, <laughs> that the humans were flawed, mm. to, the, to becoming magnificent. That's, that is quite a transformation, too. And, and again, thinking about what you're doing today to now serve other people across the world. So you're, you're the director of access to awareness. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. ways that you call yourself, and you specialize in the group training mediation and personal coaching of leaders um, would you say a little bit about the work that you're up to today now that you've had that in your sales what are you doing yeah. today yes I have so I cannot stop right I cannot stop uh, teaching awareness bringing awareness talking about awareness I really do think awareness is the ultimate power just examining what we think what we do and 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 putting in question being skeptical about everything that we take for granted, right? So I have starting, um, I, so I want to spread this love for awareness. So I, I want to talk, lead conferences, um, really support people in, in knowing that there is a way which is simple, if not easy, I do agree it's not easy, but it's simple to actually create the life you dream of and you want and then um, because uh, it's a question of time I want to to work with um, very uh, accomplished people you know those people Alice that have everything like they have succeeded in accomplishing what they wanted to accomplish they have their business their family you know Mm -hmm. they they get they they more or less nobody has a perfect life right but they have a lot of power sometimes a lot of money I want those people to transform so they can take on the world so that's also one of my big commitments to get to the politicians and to the people that have a lot of power 
Oh my gosh, Sophie, that is so great. And you know, again, talk talk about preparation, right? You you are a, a person who can do that work based on what you've gone through and what you've done and how you've worked on yourself. And I think I want, I'm so glad you told me that because I didn't realize that's what you're up to. That is extraordinary. I'm right behind you, Sophie. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you know the thing that it's amazing to be grateful for what happened to me in my life and the tragedy and the difficulties, but I'm extremely grateful for it because I cannot give away what I didn't experience. And as you said, I experienced a lot. So it makes me useful because there is not many things I don't know what it feels like to have gone through it, you see. I so do. I'm filled with uh, gratefulness. And I I love also the online seminar that I do with everybody, right, that wants to, because I, 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 I take people away from their routine and their busy life for one hour. And for that hour, we learn to think consciously. And it's exactly like the conversation I'm having with you. It's just on any topic, being love, sex, uh, anxiety, fear, money, anything. But we talk and and learn to look at different views. And it's very powerful. I loved reading those. I really yeah, I, do. I yeah. can tell. Mm-hmm. I can tell. Mm-hmm. How wonderful. Okay, hold that thought, Sophie. Our last break, really quick. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Sophie McLean, who has an irresistible passion and commitment to participate in the creation of a new culture within humankind. I think you've been hearing that. After the break, we're going to talk about some of the adventures she's been having over the last seven years. They're astounding. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Sophie McLean, who has a commitment to participate in the creation of a new culture within humankind and does so with an irresistible passion. From speaking engagements to leading one-on-one programs where she deconstructs the ego to leading online seminars encouraging people to think consciously, her raison d'etre is to liberate people from the constraints and the illusion of the ego. She's publishing in May her first book called The Elegance of Simplicity. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Sophie, in this last segment here, I really want to bring to life for our our listeners uh, some of the adventures, not just some of the adventures you've had in the last seven years. But before I do that, since I am a person who who really does investigate and do a lot of reading and I believe very strongly in education, I just want to hear a little bit about your study of two degrees in philosophy. Um, And you say that you were fueled by an intense desire to know the wisdom of the sages. how have those experiences contributed to your ongoing transformation? 
Well, you know about the the routine we were talking about earlier on? The, the problem in life, right, if we don't know that we either expand or we contract, then we're stuck in the routine. So I always want to expand. And that was an area of life that I knew I didn't have any uh, uh, education in. I mean, other than the one that we all have, right? So I really wanted to go and start with Homer and go all the way to today and just know what all the philosophers had said about all the questions that fascinated me. So I went back to school. <laughs> I went back to school. It was it was interesting because I ended up a little bit uh, running the <laughs> the university in France, but it was fun. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. I have this vision of you walking through the world, Sophie, this this little fireball that everywhere you go, it just it fires off something and, you know, it just, but you could see it like, it, you know, like radar on a map moving about yeah. the world. That's what you look like when I, when I think about you. <laughs> well, at least people find me exhausting as well. I really have to tell the truth here, right? My, the, the, I'm a bit tiring as well because uh, I can't stop training, so I even trained the the teachers at the university, which was not too uh, welcome. But I'm learning. <laughs> I understand. Um, where uh, you're, as one of my girlfriends likes to say, mm. you're you're a stiff drink. You're you're not for the yeah. faint of heart, for sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So let's talk about some of these amazing adventures. Okay, I was I would have loved to have been in your back pocket on any of these, but mm. one of them, starting with your Hinduism studies with a guru in Kam- Kamela, I think it is, India, and then mm. you have Buddhism with the Dalai Lama. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I would. I would. I want to do that kind of work. Tell us a little bit about what that was like. So I am a yes to life, right? So actually, life brings me this opportunity, and as much as I can, I say yes, right? So I first met um, Saima Lakshmi Devi uh, in the States, actually, and um, I just thought, okay, I don't know about Hinduism, so I, I. Followed her for a year. I went to the Kumbh Mela. I think there is 70 million Hindus in that uh, uh, gathering at the heel of the at the feet of the Himalayas. And um, I learned about poverty and uh, again finding the magnificence of human being. Um, you know, I cooked the whole night because there you you have to feed all the poor. This is, you know, I was in a kind of, I was in a tent, but it was a kind of ashram. And anybody that came to the tent, we had to feed. So we spent our entire night cooking and feeding people on during the day. And um, I think I learned humility. I learned not to be frightened of sick people, poor people. Um, I didn't speak the language, but we had a communication nonetheless. And frankly, after two months, I could have stayed there much longer. It, it, you know, when this space gets totally perfect and you're in harmony with everything, it was really great. And mm. and I, I promised myself that I wouldn't go in the Ganges River because I thought it was polluted. Within 20 minutes, I was in it. <laughs> of course. It, it, it was so hot. It was so hot. There was no way. I thought, well, bad luck. I'm going in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I admire so much. I, I, I have been to India. I spent three weeks in India. I didn't do necessarily a spiritual quest there, but and also to Malaysia. But they gave me just a, just a little bit of a touch of what you're talking about now. Now you make me want so much more. So I will also continue that quest too. But 
Now, if we go on the other side, when maybe another other end of the energy spectrum, maybe is you're you studied tango in your search for feminine and the masculine, which is. A, I think it's such a beautiful exotic dance. Having lived in in Brazil and been to Argentina, I've seen it. It's magnificent. But what did you get from looking at tango and learning tango? Well, I was in my fifties and I had worked a lot, so I had you know adventures with great men. But I was still not re um, committing to a private life with someone, and I felt that I had to d- rediscover my feminine. Uh, energy and and I was a bit closed up. I used my work to get back to life, but I needed to to reconnect to the feminine and the masculine. And tango, oh oh, hmm. it's the most delicious dance. Oh, it's really it's exquisite. I just got back in my body, learned to move again, and to you know the you know the paradox. All of life is a paradox, but in tango the. The woman has no say whatsoever about the steps or where you're going, but she has all the power at the same time. And I thought that was so, so, such a beautiful image of life. And I really adored it and moved on to tantric yoga because I wanted to experience more about the feminine and the masculine. So, so what is tantric yoga? So, so tantric yoga is just amazing, right? And I'm really talking about tantric yoga, not not, um, you know, sexual experience or whatever. Tantric yoga is a very, very, very ancient discipline where you access the divine through pleasure. And the theory is that at one point we were hermaphrodites and then with the world of duality to experience ourselves, we divided in the feminine and the masculine and that we're all yearning to to unite again the feminine and the masculine. Now, we that you're a woman or a man, that's not what I'm talking about because you can have some woman with more masculine, some men with more feminine. We all have it in us. But the tantric yoga is a fusion of the two into nothingness and that's where you access the divine and okay. it's very powerful yeah that speaks my language so beautifully, Sophie. I have long, long, long been fascinated with androgyny or the idea that I think about of how we can each draw from the other gender in order to more fully complete ourselves or live in a bigger, fuller way. And so that really speaks to me. So I guess I got to add so that to my list, a, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the other gender. It's the other energy. Other because energy. She, we, yeah, because we have a homosexuality, right? So that's the same gender in a couple. But the feminine, the masculine is the same there. The, yeah. They can connect the fusion of it. Do you see? I do see that. In I, the I same appreciate way. the yeah. distinction. Yes, mm. energy, not gender. Got mm. it. Mm. Got it, got it. Okay, there's two more things that I want to talk about before we, we lose our time together. And I know there's a million more things we could speak about, but you also talk, and I don't know if I can say these right, but your time spent in Ayahuasca, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, and the Ashupabo people in Peru. What mm-hmm. was that yeah. like and what were you doing there? I know that was exquisite, Alice, but exquisite. Now, if you can get to the Amazon forest, I promise you it's alive. I walked in there. No, I didn't walk in there. I, I took a boat to get into the Amazon forest, and then I walked, and I felt I was in Avatar. You know this beautiful forest in the yes. movie? 
Yes. Okay, it was it was like that. This forest is alive. And when I think we're destroying it, I cringe. But it's exquisite. And I wanted to know what a shaman was. That's also something I didn't do before. And they are the healers of the Amazon, like the doctors of the Amazon. And what I got there was a distinction healing, which, you know, I never considered myself as a healer. I, I'm not a doctor or a healer as such. But there I learned it. Those people are you know, using plant medicine to heal and the distinction healing is such a soft, tender, beautiful distinction that I took back with me and my session with people and my online seminars and all my work is now totally different because I do heal. Now I know that I heal from deconstructing the ego and moving, opening a door for people to move from the ego to themselves. And that is a healing by itself. And that's what I got. Mm. Extraordinary. Uh, I have, when I lived in Brazil, I did go to the Pantanal, which is the, the it's like the swampland area relative to the to the Amazon. I have not been into the forest, but uh, but just with the way you're describing it, I again, I the, your access to uh, the divine and also just, you know, these, these long traditional ways of healing and using yeah. plants and shamans. I mean, that's just, it's, um, it's an incredible swath of person you've cultivated, Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. I love people. I love discovering people and I love discovering different people. You know, that is, it's so exciting. You feel like uh, you are on a treasure hunt. Yeah, mm. I love that. I completely agree with that. And then that brings us probably to the last thing that we'll be able to talk about. You talk about your your commitment to your humanitarian work, and you've been a UN representative for the Commission on the Status of Women in 2017, working for the ONG called the Hunger Project. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say a little something about that experience and what that taught you? Yes. Well, I, I had the idea that, you see, the UN, when I walked into the UN, in this room, there was every single country represented, every single color, language, dresses, and I burst into tears, right? Because I really got that's a possibility for humankind of peace is right there and it doesn't work. So I had a little idea that maybe if I could put my little finger somewhere, I could transform it, but I didn't <laughs> succeed yet. But um, I also wanted to see how the nonprofit work because my ultimate dream, my ultimate dream, Alice, after I enrolled everybody in awareness and everybody's now thinking consciously, is to create a global con- conversation for the sanctity of children. I think children need to be made safe. They cannot look after themselves. I think we should remove them from conflict area, from from starving areas and and. Um, I wanted to know how the nonprofit world worked. So um, I went with that idea in mind. And uh, if my book is a great success, then all the money will go to create those places for children. <laughs> so that's my idea. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. I love that. And I can also see you just being so touched and moved when you walked into that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was also the last thing I guess we have a real quick time for is you, you participated in the 55th Commission for Social Development in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? What was that about? Uh, again, I learned a lot, right? So I went there, obviously, I was working, but I also learned a lot. And I am delighted to say that, you know, people are not now dealing with poverty by pouring 
uh, money in. They are now training the people that are poor to get themselves out of poverty. You know, it's the equivalent of in, instead of giving fish, you teach somebody to fish. Mm-hmm. If you give them fish, they go starving in two days. If you teach them to fish, they can set themselves up. And the whole nonprofit um, world for against poverty is now following that movement, and that that is heartwarming, really heartwarming. And the Hunger Project is really good at it. Yeah, very good. Mm. I thank you for that because I I'm very very encouraged by that. I having lived in 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 Brazil and in, in the early 1990s when it was definitely much more of a developing country and there was a lot of poverty. The favelas are a real thing. Mm-hmm. I went I saw that and I was there for a couple of conferences where the world convened on on the environment and such and saw the world mm. try to come together on problems and that was incredibly inspiring so i can imagine what how this has fueled your your passion even more to to do the work that you want to do in service of, of what you're up to um Again, the, the complement of things that you that you're drawing from, Sophie, to be able to to become the person that you become. You said something really earlier that I want to just really celebrate, at least from my vantage point, is all these things that you have come through, and of course the way that you've navigated that navigated them. In my view, I mean, all those things have helped you turn into the person, become the person you were probably meant to become. Um, would you have asked for all those awful experiences and difficulties? No, but. I look at who you are today, Sophie, and it's it's awesome. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? It's I beautiful. Mean, that's, yeah, it is. It is. You just have to surrender to life. The the game of life is beyond what I can make it mean. So now my my job is to just experience what there is to experience. Yeah. Well, and we're out of time here. So in say about twenty seconds, Sophie, what would you like to leave our listeners with today? Okay, I'll leave them with my uh, my uh, mantra for life. You reap what you sow, and it is very good news. If you don't like what you're reaping, just look at this, what you're planting. <laughs> and that, that gives you all the power in life because it's you, and it's always you, and that's the big best news. Oh, that is a wonderful way to finish, mm-hmm. Sophie. Thank you so much. It has been incredibly delightful, enchanté, to have you on my <laughs> show, Sophie. I thank you so much for, for, for joining me and sharing your beautiful spirit with us. It's been delightful. Thank you, Elisa. I had a fantastic time. Thank you very much for having me on the show. You are so welcome. And listeners, if you want to learn more about Sophie McLean, her programs or her book, visit her website. It's Sophie McLean. Let me spell that for you. S-O-P-H-I-E-M-C-L-E-A-N. SophieMcLean.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Ron Price, who is the author of Growing Influence, a story of how to lead from character, expertise, and impact. We talked about his book. Next week, we'll be on the air with Matt Johnson, who is the president and CEO of MotiveX. We'll be talking with him about his expertise and experience measuring motivation in the workplace and how to more effectively unleash it. Promises to be a compelling conversation. See you there. Remember that work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>